This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Blech. And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. God bless you all. Last month, during our segment on the April Jobs Report, our good friend William Spriggs joined... Chad Stone of the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities and me to talk about the April jobs report and how much better it was for African-Americans for change. One of the best jobs reports for African-Americans in years. William Spriggs was professor of economics at Howard University, former chair of the department. He was the chief economist of the AFL-CIO. Bill fought for us. He never wavered. Bill left us this month too soon. He outran us home. Joe Biden said Bill Spriggs was a man who brought as much lasting brilliance to economics as he brought joy to his friends and colleagues. Bill was a towering figure in his field, a trailblazer who challenged the field's basic assumptions about racial discrimination in labor markets, pay equity, and worker empowerment. His work inspired countless economists some of whom work for our administration, to join him in the pursuit of economic justice, serving as both the economics department chair at Howard University and as chief economist for the AFL-CIO, the first African-American to hold that position, Bill relentlessly fought to ensure that the voices and needs of workers were at the center of economic policymaking. Bill was a dedicated, public servant who held several economic policy positions across the federal government spanning two presidential administrations. Along with these remarkable contributions and achievements, Bill will be missed for his kindness, warmth, and humility. Vice President Kamala Harris said, Bill Spriggs was a giant in the field of economics who fought to build an economy that worked for all Americans. He understood and spoke clearly about the deep disparities that exist in our nation and dedicated his career to closing those gaps. The son of two World War II veterans, Bill carried on his family's legacy of public service throughout his years of work in government. Bill was a friend for many years. I will remember him for his incisive mind, deep wisdom, and abiding faith 
and the power of economic policy to create justice, equity, and intergenerational prosperity. Bill was indeed a good friend. We will miss him terribly. Our prayers are with him and his family. Here is, after so many interviews over the years, here is Bill Spriggs' final interview on Make It Play. There's my friend Bill. Speak of, speak of the angel and he yeah. said, Bill Spriggs is here. Hey, man. How you doing? All right, the chief of How are you doing, Chad? I'm doing well too, Bill. Chad not doing our mother thing. Chad, I don't know how much time you got, but you're welcome to, to stick around and, and, and hear Bill for a few if you like. I would like to do that, but, I, uh, but I'm pretty sure I know many of the things he'll say, and I actually have another meeting coming up. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're pretty in sync, I think, usually. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you are. Well, folks, again, uh, Chad, you're welcome to say, but for those, in case Chad does have to run, uh, folks, Twitter, Chad CBPP for his uh, tweet thread. And it, it's really uh, insightful and it'll give you all the information um, that you'll need to know to be up on things and about this good job. I will say this though, Bill, um, um, as you're here, I was saying to Chad, it was sharing with him our offline conversation. And I shared with him your thoughts about, you know, exploding the myth of, of black unemployment and us not either looking for jobs or us being unskilled. But it also came to mind to, to Chad and me, because we've always talked about, this has always been the case, even when Trump was taking credit for better numbers, a uh, bill. Black unemployment has always, pretty much always been, maybe except for a couple of exceptions, twice that of white unemployment. And, and that's not the case in April. So that's a pretty significant milestone too. So, so Bill, I'm, before Jay goes, I don't know if you want to respond to that. And Well, it, the ratio has been trending down. So it's not just that it reached a record level or normal economy. When in March of 2020, we blew up the labor market. The, the ratio went to the lowest it's ever been. And in fact, looked the way it should all the time. Everybody wants to harp on this whole thing about it's driven by education, black people need more education, blah, 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 blah. And those are people who have never looked at the numbers, ever, 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 ever looked at the numbers. So what has been remarkable in the last three months is that the unemployment rate for white high school dropouts, white high school dropouts, white people with no education, none. So, you know, the whole myth, that's out of theory education, you don't finish the school that you get, blah, 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 right? White people with no high school education have had an unemployment rate, which is lower capitals lower than the black unemployment rate. So when people say, well, black people don't have skills, does white person with the least education has always enjoyed a lower unemployment rate than the black unemployment rate. So when people say, well, you need more education, what? We need education of white high school dropout? 
I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It's, it's, it's not even like the possible smell test of credibility. The real key in the last three months have been that now education actually matters. We can actually have a discussion about, well, black people have more education, maybe they'd have a lower unemployment rate because finally we do better than white high school dropouts. And, and even more important, uh, since the first time since 1863, a higher share of black people are working than white people. It's about equal. We had, um, so not in April, but in March, a higher share of black people were working than white people. So, so beyond the unemployment rate, the more important number to have a job compared to population. Well, for the first time, the share of black people holding a job is the same as the share of white people holding a job. And, and last month in April, education really did matter. So for blacks who have more education, those with associate degrees and college degrees, the labor force participation rate for blacks who have more education is always higher when compared to whites in the same education. So blacks who are college graduates and blacks with associate degrees have a higher labor force participation than whites. The low participation traditionally for blacks comes from those with a high school degree or, or who are dropouts, specifically dropouts. But the unemployment rate for a black person with an associate's degree was lower than the unemployment rate for a white person with an associate's degree last month. These are month to month. Don't put a ton into it. But the fact that at least for a month, through the fluke of statistics, at least for a month, education mattered. Black people had more education, had unemployment rates that looked like white people with more education. And, and again, because our labor force participation rate is higher, if you look at it from an employment to population ratio, I mean, it, it, for, for blacks with an associate's degree, the share of blacks, with, and this is, this is the bulk of the black workforce has an associate's or some college. So that's why this is an important category. So 74%, roughly 74% of Blacks with an associate's degree had a job. This is employment to population ratio. 63% of Whites with an associate's degree had a job. And the unemployment rate for a Black with an associate's degree was 1.9% compared to 2.8% for Whites. We've never been in a labor market where you could actually start having the debate. Now you can have the debate. What if blacks had more education? Now you can have that debate. Now, now is the time to now start arguing that. It took this labor market to finally let us have a reasonable discussion. And so, the, you know, I've been harping for the longest. Why do people keep wanting to do this Silly thing about education when that's not how the labor market works for black people. Now it's working that way. It, it just so I want to be clear. You said associates. What what's what are is it a two-year degree? 
Now, I got that, but but degree. it's a four year degree. What about four year degree? Two years of college. The four year degree, though, that that's up too, right? Is that what you said? Did I understand you correctly? Well, for a four year degree, the unemployment rate for black college graduates is one point eight percent, and for whites is one point six percent. Wow. Which, in statistical terms, is equal because there's error in these measures, and the black sample is smaller. And so, one, arguing about the difference between 1.6 and 1.8 is that's just quibbling. Right. So, but because the labor force participation rate for blacks with college degrees is higher than for whites who have a college degree, then the share of blacks with a college degree holding a job is higher. So, 77% of black people with a college degree are working versus 70.8% for whites. Wow. What, what, what's going on? How, what, what is happening that is, that's causing that to happen, uh, Bill? We finally let the unemployment rate stay low long enough that we are getting closer to full employment. And this has been my argument all along. Telling me that I'm in full employment when a white high school dropout gets a job before any black person can get a job? That's not full employment. That's employers being picky. Employers felt, oh, yeah, I still would choose a white guy. And the fact that now they have to say, well, I can't just choose a white guy. Now they actually have to hire us. And this is why I've always been angry at people who mischaracterize the labor market mischaracterized what I've been saying. Oh, you got to run. They characterize me as saying, you got to run the economy so hot um, it's impossible. We're in the middle of the NBA playoffs. So, and, and especially now, because, um, you know, a lot of people watching the Warriors and the Lakers. So, so we know from the past when the Warriors did really well during the regular season that Steph Curry is not physically able to do a whole season and then the playoffs, his body just can't take it. So, so, so you, you understand even for an athlete of his condition, and he is an excellent athlete, you can't run the team at full speed. You, you have to, at some point, let him rest. <clears throat> this is similar to thinking about how the economy works. If you want the economy to win, you need stuff on the court as much as you can, understanding that at some point you, 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 if you run them too hard, you will also lose. So you got to find that correct pace. How do I, because they run with a small set of players, shorter players, right? And they run faster than the Warriors. So, so I got to have the right pace. I need them on the court an optimal amount of time. What? too many economists have determined in their minds is this. I got a starting lineup. I got that guy from Denver, Jovic, COVID, whatever his name, Joker, whatever his name is. And I got uh, George Mikan, and I got Larry Bird, and I got Bob Cousy, and I got uh, Jerry West. This is the best tool. They got to stay on the court. And I'm like, 
you're going to have them as the starting five. Yeah, they're the starting five. They're the best players. And I got to run them at a pace so I don't go to the bench. So you don't want to put LeBron in. Are you kidding? Put LeBron in for Larry Bird? Are you serious? That's what these people are saying. They're saying black people will be on the bench, on the bench. That there's no black player I would want to put on this court. Because then we're not going to win. And don't those black players want to wear a ring? Well, I got to keep these players out on the court. So don't tell me to speed up the game. Because if you're telling me I got to put in LeBron or I have to put in Magic or I got to put in Steph Curry, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not going to win. That is what they are arguing. They're arguing that they are at full employment. They are using the most efficient workers in America, the most efficient. And so if you just throw up your hand because you don't know what to say to that kind of attitude. And they will argue to death that there's no way you can put those people, get them off the bench. Because getting them off the bench is a bad thing. So getting them off the bench though, as is, is clearly happening somewhat in this scenario and hopefully it continues. Yes, and hopefully, hopefully some of the mechanisms by which black players or black, black workers are being kept out, some of those mechanisms we have to hope stay in place. So we do know that firms that become federal contractors must file affirmative action hiring clause, which means that on paper, at least, they have to say, I've opened my recruitment. I seriously look for all sorts of workers. We know that firms have not been doing that in the past. Those firms that do adopt more open hiring practices, who do establish new avenues for recruiting workers, they stay that way. This is great work by Garrett Conrad, Professor at Stanford. So, so the, the hope is that because firms are now finally figuring out where they can get black talent, that they're not going to abandon those recruiting efforts. They won't abandon those channels, those channels, the talent, if the economy slows down. That's the hope. Um, but e even if that doesn't prove to be the case, the fact, the fact that for a couple of months we're riding this, it's I'll take I'll take I'll take this. It I'll, it does something else, which is because the black unemployment work is always harder. It is harder for black people to have the resume that says I have seven years of experience. And that makes a big difference when you're going to get a job. You say, I had three years here. I was out of the labor force for a year. I got two years there. This looks bad. You've got, regardless of anything else, you're at a distinct disadvantage. So, so stringing together a, a, a better resume for, for black workers is a big change. Okay. So 
It's, and that was my next question, you know, hoping this wasn't a fluke and, and you, you answered that. So, but help us understand too, help our audience understand how William Spriggs, it is beneficial to everyone and the whole economy when they let LeBron James, meaning black workers work, just like Bob Cousy and everybody else. But how that how that benefits the overall economy and employment and industry and what have you? Well, because despite the fact that black workers have a higher unemployment rate, doesn't mean that white people don't have unemployment. So, so this this is another one of those. Okay, it has a disparate impact on black people, but that's not good if you're white and unemployed to be told, oh, well, at least black people have it worse. It's like, okay, I don't have a job. Somebody else having it worse did not really matter because I don't have a job. So for that, for that white person, the fact that we're not throwing you out of your job, that's a good thing. The fact that the labor market is forcing employers to compete for workers means that you have a better chance of getting a raise. If you walk into your boss's office and there are 800 people lined up outside saying, I want his job. And you say to the boss, I want a 12% raise. He's looking at 800 people lined up for your job. Well, maybe if I really love you, I give you a 12% raise, but otherwise I'm calling next. So this myth, there's a myth that's out there. Well, look, this is bad for other workers because when the labor market gets to this point where the view is employers have to pay higher wages, we get inflation, and inflation erodes your real wage, this really isn't good. But if you're a worker who has a job, you're better off. But remember, that means you're not getting a raise. When the unemployment rate goes up, you're not getting a raise. So it's not exactly true that, oh, I'm better off. You can say, yes, well, you'll get a real wage increase because we're going to lower inflation. And we, when we have downturns, um, inflation can actually become negative. We can have prices collapse. And we'll, that's what we want to hold on severe downturn. But look at all, all that means. So my wages are up and real purchasing returns, but I'm not going to get a raise. But as soon as the bosses, as we are seeing right now, try to make up for uh, the recession by raising prices as they're doing right now and get their profit margins back up, it will take years for them to recover. Real wages are very slow to recover before the pandemic, before March of 2020. Everybody was puzzled. Why aren't wages rising? We've gotten unemployment down. We're at 3%, 4%. Why aren't wages rising? And they weren't doing very much. And we were having a hard time getting back to pre-Great Recession levels. Pre-Great Recession levels. We're in 2019, 2020, arguing why can't we get wages to rise at levels they did in 2007. 
So, so there's this catch up that never really happens when you have a downturn. You don't fully make up the ground. And when you do, then, you know, you, you get the hawks of the world screaming at how oh, the market's too tight. Wages going up too much. Prices, I mean, then they bid you wages back on. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. So, hopefully this isn't a fluke. Right. Well, it's not so much a fluke as a demonstration of if you get to full employment, what does full employment look like? And people hunt whatever they said, spreads that nobody was talking about, because we never got here. Every time we got this close, the Fed deliberately crashed the economy because the argument was, this is going to get us inflation. This is bad. We don't want these people off the bench. If they get off the bench, this is a bad thing. And so the Fed would deliberately start to slow the economy. And you hear people constantly saying, in 2021, we have two straight quarters of negative GDP growth. That does not define a recession, but the economy had slowed tremendously. And because we had a massive shortage of chips, we couldn't do any manufacturing. You, you can't finish the car without chips. Telephones are only chips, they're not anything else. So we couldn't do anything. We couldn't make telephones at all. We couldn't complete cars. We, we had hundreds of thousands of cars, literally, parked in Detroit, waiting for the chips. And, and of course, you can finish dishwashers. You can't finish refrigerator. You can't make manufacturing things because they all have chips in them. And then everybody's like, oh, there's inflation. Yes, there's going to be inflation. You can't make anything until the chips come back. But that veil of prices rising in response to the many disruptions that our economy was having instantly put the hawks in place. Oh, the unemployment rate is too low. The earth is going to end. The dragon is going to eat us. Um, you know, bloom and do. And they convinced everybody that the Fed doesn't know what it's doing. The Fed should have slowed down the economy. We had two straight quarters of slow growth, but they're saying the Fed hadn't slowed the economy. So we're not worried about Fed doing any more right now, are we? I hope they aren't. I certainly hope they aren't. I have been very disappointed with them in their messaging. They they have talked down the economy because they've been bullied into this position that the economy should grow slower and and that the economy is growing too quickly. And it has been so frustrating that in their messaging, they repeat this nonsense. And they repeat an impatience with the rate at which prices are falling. And so they give so much aid to 
the Republicans who want to complain about Joe Biden on infrastructure bill, which they now say, if you want us to raise the debt ceiling, you have to get rid of the infrastructure bill. You have to get rid of the um, Inflation Reduction Act. You got to get rid of that Inflation Reduction Act. You can't have, you know, in, investments in the environment of low and need to money. You can't make these investments to convert us towards electric cars so that American auto workers can be competitive for where the market is going. China is already committed to going to electric cars. They are the largest auto market in the world. They are now joining us as among the leading exporters of automobiles, but they want us to rescind that so that our auto workers will be 19th century. <laughs> we'll be back to when Henry Ford started, not Henry Ford of the 20th century. They want us to be Henry Ford of the 19th century because the global markets are all going to electric cars. So, so the rhetoric of the Fed feeds into this notion that Biden's done this horrible thing. But if, if you're black, you're going, okay. So black women are already bad in terms of the employment population ratio, the share of black women who hold the job to three great recession levels, a hit of white women. Black people are holding jobs at the same rate as white people. We had record low child poverty. And you're saying that Joe Biden is doing a bad job, like, and so everybody's convinced of this because, oh no, because of inflation, he caused the inflation. He's the reason why we didn't get chips. He's the reason why the oil industry was disrupted by Russia. He's the reason why the fertilizer industry was disrupted because of Russia. He's the reason why food prices are high because the three main grain producers of the United States, Ukraine, and Russia. He's the reason. And that's why, you know, we're not doing well. It, it has been disturbing listening to the press. And economists have not been helpful because there are two economists on this bandwagon. Look, in, in the last four months, while we've been generating jobs, well, close to 180,000 a month, close to 200,000 a month. It slowed down a little bit, but in the ballpark, the unemployment rate has stayed the same. So, so the idea that we can't generate jobs at this pace is just not true. We, the unemployment rate is dependent on how many people want to be in the labor market. And so what has been happening is, yes, we're creating jobs that appear to be at a very false rate, but at the same time, labor force participation has been picking up, particularly for black and Hispanic workers, which is how black workers got this employment to population ratio to be the same as for whites, because our labor force participation has been going up much faster than theirs. They are an older population than the black population. People over 50 have been very slow to return after COVID for health reasons, some of them got COVID. And so for other reasons, those over 50 have not been returning. But for the first time in this century, we're seeing significant increases in workers under 25. And the majority of workers under 25 are people of color, they're not white. And 
And so for the first time, we're seeing under 25 with increasing labor force participation. And because those under 25 were better educated than those over 50, we're actually changing the educational composition of the workforce in addition to changing the racial composition. So, so when you see the unemployment rate for black college and associate degrees, higher educated people doing well, that's because skill sets have shifted. The age of the workers has shifted. Employers are now replacing these older workers with these better educated younger workers. And with the tighter labor market, those are kind of black people. Lastly, uh, you, you, you alluded to it, but, but your take on the debt limit and what that would do to this employment, positive employment scenario, what that would do to the economy. I mean, obviously we know that can't happen. We can't afford it. You think they're really going to uh, mess up the debt limit? I mean, because that wouldn't help white workers either. It wouldn't help white folks. It would ruin things for white workers. The discussion of the debt limit is already ruining things. The fact that the rest of the world is watching this debate, are we going to pay our bill, is ruining it. When you look at how the bond markets are responding and what it's costing the government to borrow money and what the markets are telling us, they're nervous and they shouldn't be nervous. And the press, again, has done a horrible job in discussing this. Congress has already had budgets. They voted on budgets, which means they already voted this debt. And, and it's getting reported as if, oh, all of a sudden this is something new and Congress is the Republicans are holding American check. We're not going to borrow more money. We're going to be, it's like this deal has already been voted on, discussed, debated. This is a done deal. The thing is the bill is now coming and we're authorizing the signing of the checks. This is late in the process for somebody to suddenly say, yeah, I know I put my credit card out there. Yeah, I know I bought that stuff, but I want to debate again whether I want to pay for it. It's like you. You can't do that. You make people very nervous when you say that, wait, Tim Ho, we thought your IOU was good. The United States is not a young country. People misinterpret history because we're so Eurocentric and we teach it in a weird way that people think of the European countries as being older than the United States. The United States as a government is older than those governments. Germany is a create, most of those nation states, if we understand the modern Germany, the modern Italy, the modern France, those are creations of the 19th and 20th century. The United States already existed while these countries formed in their current status. And that's why we have all these immigrants because they were worried amongst themselves in these little states. Uh, that's how we got all these Italian immigrants because Italy as a country, as we understand, Italy was a new country. The United States has never defaulted on its debt. These other entities over that same period since 1795 have created new countries, new currencies, defaulted, refaulted, created new currencies again. They don't have 
the history of the United States, the longevity of the United States is now all on a deck. If you saw the musical Hamilton, it may have gone past some people, but there's this scene with this huge debate between Hamilton and Jefferson over the debt of the United States, in which Hamilton argues with Jefferson. Jefferson wants to say, all these debts we're Virginia. We like to pay the debt of New York. We like to pay the debt of Massachusetts. Uh, we just pay the debt of Virginia. And Hamilton said, no, the United States is a young country at that point, and we have to be good to our debts. Hamilton established this as how you define U.S. policy. You don't default on debt. This is unique to the United States. Never have defaulted. Well, people like to hold U.S. Treasury notes. People like to hold U.S. bills because it means something. It's an IOU that you know will get paid. If you start debating that, then people get real nervous. Like, what does this Argentina, Guatemala? Right, right. What country is this? Is y'all telling us it doesn't mean anything? Right, and and that whole, you know. It sounds like what you're saying is when people talk about American exceptionalism, that's not just a, an emotion or a feeling. That's something tangible that goes with the reputation you're describing. That's like, yeah, that, okay, I got you. That, that, and of the American exceptionalism, this one is true. <laughs> yeah. You know, this one is actually true. <laughs> but I mean, but we also know that there are those who, I mean, let's face it, um, there are those who, who don't want this to happen. They want to, I mean, we're dealing with nihilists who want actually really, to be honest with you, want to destroy America. So they don't care. They'd love to do it. I mean, it's, it's like, I like it like this, Bill, since, you know, we're doing, I, I love the NBA analogy. Remember during uh, segregation, and Lena Horne used to tell this story a lot, when black artists and entertainers would stay in the white hotel, because they may have been performing in that hotel. That was fine, but then they burned the sheets after they left. Black Michelle and Barack sleep in the White House, so we're going to burn the country down. I mean, it's almost just like, that's what it is, like burning the sheets. We're just going to burn the whole country down because we just, it's soil now. It really isn't, but to them it is. And so I, I, I think folks have to look at it like that. And, and I asked Bill that question for a reason, because I think we all need to understand black, white, whatever, brown, uh, what is going on and how those who have these other agendas want to tank it for everyone. And this would tank the global economy. It would tank the global economy because central banks throughout the world hold U.S. treasuries as their reserve. China, before the Great Recession and the Fed had to bail out Earth, system, China held more U.S. treasuries than the central bank of the United States. If you tell these central bankers, your main capital, the thing that you say is the equivalent of gold in the old days, eh, who knows what it's worth? This is a bunch of pieces of paper. Because the United States says it no longer stands by its own money. There would be a global, a global a global recession of proportions we don't know, 
and don't want to see. And, and we have no understanding of the path forward. If you told me as a spy for Putin, what would be the number one thing you would do? This is what I would do. Wow, that's heavy. But I want to be clear. Let's go back to China, because what we're told is that we owe China. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is China holds U.S. Treasury Mm -hmm. in reserve. Mm -hmm. Because remember, so much of what happens in the world is in dollars. You want to buy oil? You need dollars. You want to buy any food, commodities? They're priced in dollars. So if you want to have an economy, you have to get your hand on dollars. And so countries need to hold dollars in reserve so they can protect their currency because if things happen against their currency, they need to be able to find a way to pump some dollars into their system so they can go buy oil and buy food. You can't buy anything in the world that really matters to run an economy unless you hold these dollars. And so China has to protect its currency against these fluctuations. Now, we have always, well, we used to, <laughs> accuse the Chinese of deliberately undervaluing their currency so they could undercut it, so they could make their goods appear cheaper than they ought to be. And one way they did that were these excess reserves that they held in dollars so that they could help to manipulate their currency. And so this is so central to how the world works. That's why it would collapse the global economy. And the United States, who, who knows what the path for it would be? Again, because for 200 long, almost 30 years, the United States has always paid its debt. People just believe this. They don't even go, isn't that like, because all these central banks believe this is like, what do you mean the United States is not going to pay its debt? So, so how does the United States recover from that? If people start saying, your credit score is so good. And, and, and as a nation, because for decades now, we have been importing more than we export, our current deficit with the world is huge. We, not just the federal government, as a nation, we owe the world. They're all fine. They're like, you're good. You're good. We're holding your dollars. You're good. Don't worry. We're not worried. You don't need to worry. But suddenly you're telling them, hey, you know the $10 billion we owe you? Maybe we'll pay you. Maybe we won't. You can't be in that position when you owe this much money. You mm-hmm. cannot be in that position. As a, just think of your household balance sheet. If you walked up to your bank and said, oh, you know that mortgage loan. Yeah. Well, folks, he is the chief economist at the AFL-CIO, also professor in the Department of Economics at Howard University, where President Biden is delivering the commencement speech this coming weekend. Uh, Follow him as well on Twitter. Again, you can follow Chad, Chad CBPP on Twitter and follow William Spriggs, W. Spriggs 
on Twitter. Keep up with our good friends. They, they make us smarter, don't they? Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.